I'm going in search of witches. Witches? Witches. I guess you found me out, huh? Yeah. You should come around here on Halloween. You'd really see something then. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we all jump off the roof and fly. You know, sort of like a coven. We were placed fester under some strange sexual spell. And what time will we be spellcasting? Hey there, witches, and welcome to Moonstone Witchery, the podcast where we talk about witchcraft and spirituality in a modern context. My name is Rianne Luckard, and I am the head witch here at Moonstone Witchery, and thank you so much for being here with me today. You can find me on any platform if you type in Moonstone Witchery, and that's all I'm really going to say about that for today, I think, because... That's all really that seems to matter. If you need me, you can find me. If you don't need me, you can just turn on your podcast and give it a listen. And that sounds good enough as well. I will say, though, um, I am interested in telling you that I do have a Crystal of the Month um, subscription service. I have all this cool stuff that I never really talk about. And I'm just kind of like, whoever's meant to find it will find it. And then my guides the other day were like, did you know that you're part of helping people who are meant to find your stuff find it? (laughs) And I was like, oh, maybe I should speak about these things more often. So my most affordable offering is Crystal of the Month. It's $15 a month. And you get a really cool crystal. And that's enough of that. So, okay. This is a highly charged topic today, so I'm going to go into it gently. I'm going to say there might be multiple um, episodes on this topic, and please listen with gentleness to yourself, because today I want to talk about the intrinsic link between narcissists and empaths. Now, even I am surprised that as I sit here with uh, like 40 minutes between clients that I'm going to try to tackle some of this topic on the fly, but it's been circulating in the back of my energy field. And I think that it's important that, that something be said, um, on this issue, you know, working with people coming out of abusive and toxic relationship dynamics has been a cornerstone of my life coaching practice for as long as I've been in private practice with myself. And this is because I have such an intensely vivid background in dealing with narcissism, um, both within the family dynamic and within my own interpersonal relationships that I've had. Um, and I have always wanted to use my learning to support others. Um, Mine is a life of service. Ultimately, I am here to take in information and redistribute it back out in a way that is accessible and understandable for whomever chooses to be, you know, around me to try to receive some of that information. That's just kind of what I do. And for me, I think it's so important to 
have a divine and sacred service. And we are all here in service of one way or another. And our service, quite fundamentally, is to be the truest version of ourselves that we can possibly be. You know, on a previous episode, I talked about how we are each spells who have been cast into the universe. And in order for the spell called you to manifest in this world, you must be willing to be yourself like the truest, most honest, most real version of yourself. But that's a whole conversation for a different day. There is this belief in spirituality communities that there's some magical, sacred link between the narcissist and the empath. And I'm here to sort of like metaphorically like spit on that concept. (laughs) I'm here to be like, no, kick that to the dirt, like, F that noise. And I just want to stop and give myself bonus points for not actually swearing. I am doing well with that. But I want to be like, this is some some BS, right? Um, I almost just undid my non-swearing track record right then. This is some BS, though. Why on earth? It's almost like romanticized. It's almost revered. It's almost like lifted up to think about in like this super trauma bondy toxic kind of gross way to think about this like sacred connection that the empath and the narcissist have and it's like almost like it's this romantic tango or something and it's not that it's not this is just purely an abusive and sad situation and so I want to call it like I see it and I want to stop romanticizing this situation that sometimes people find themselves in because there's nothing beautiful about abuse. There's just not. Here's a, here's a reality check. So if, if you identify as an empath and you have noticed that you have a tendency towards toxic relationships, I want you to reflect upon yourself and I want you to see that that tendency is because there is something within you who doesn't know that you are allowed to say no to a toxic relationship or to someone being abusive to you. I've read all these memes or posts about the narcissist empath dynamic. And in some of these memes, it's just like the empath is drawn to the narcissist because of whatever. And the narcissist is drawn to the empath because of whatever. And here's that reality check I just mentioned, okay? A narcissist is not discerning about who they will ensnare in their trap. They are just setting traps And whomever comes along and falls prey to their trap, that's who they keep. They're not out here looking for the perfect soul. They're not out here looking for a specific kind of person to give them healing. There is not really that innocence within them. Um, They are not really seeking someone who can dot 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 see someone who is in an abusive relationship dynamic with you someone who has 
narcissistic personality disorder, and by that I mean the diagnosed version, or qualities or tendencies aren't generally looking for self-work, self-fulfillment, or even really love. They're looking for a sense of control. And when an innocent little empath walks by thinking, oh, look, I see a series of red flags <laughs> sitting here on the side of the road. The empath says to themselves, I know what it feels like to have a bunch of things feeling really bad. And I know what it feels like to act out and to have people turn against me and to not understand where I'm coming from. And I know what it feels like to be alone or to feel unloved or to feel like everyone's against me. And I know how bad that feels. And I can feel all of that radiating from this person. And I don't want them to have to feel that way because I know how it feels. So I'm going to choose to help them. Now, this is where the empath is a beautiful, lovely person, but this is also where the empath has fallen victim to the trap that has been set for them by the narcissist. Because the narcissist knows, if I leave these berries and this fruit and like these flowers out here, I will surely catch my prey. And my prey is someone who will be endlessly compassionate and kind towards me, who will always see my point of view. My prey is someone who will always try to make things calmer, sweeter, nicer, and won't really argue with me or won't really rear up and defend me. My prey is someone who doesn't know how to assert their own boundaries and instead they will follow my lead. And my prey is someone who doesn't have a full scope of inner confidence because of their own woundedness. And so I will be able to utilize that to my advantage. And I'm painting this picture like this because unfortunately this is more the truth of it than an empath being with someone who's a narcissist and that empath story they tell themselves, which is perhaps I can love them enough that they can love me too. Or perhaps I can love them enough that they can be okay again. See, when we're children, someone can love us enough that we can feel okay. But that is the nature of the way that our brains are working when we're children. When we're children, we are not autonomous. We cannot make choices for ourselves. Our brains, our bodies aren't equipped to assess all of the information and make our own decisions or have the perspective to filter that information in a meaningful way. We depend upon the adults or the caretakers in our worlds to provide us with the information that we need when we're children. And we depend on them to tell us and to show us and to complete us by, by leading through example and by telling us what kind of emotion or what kind of reaction we are supposed to have to stimulation or to external experiences. So this is why when a child cries, we pick them up and we say, it's okay, you're safe, everything's okay, you don't have to be afraid right now. 
the thing that scared you is over and we tell the child how to talk to themselves and how to make sense of the experience. When we become adults, that part of our brain that is receptive and open and moldable and can be loved into being okay, that part of our brain is closed off because we don't need it anymore. We are adults. We have autonomy. We can figure out our own perspectives. We can figure out our own worldviews. We can figure out how to interpret reality. But we forget or we don't realize that it is no longer possible to love someone else into feeling better because we know that at one point our mother or our sibling or our father or whatever could love us into feeling better. And so we think that that's possible, but it's not. As adults, we don't need to be loved into feeling better. We've already formulated our perspective on the world. And this is why that shift that therapists and coaches and spiritual people all like to talk about that everybody else hates hearing about. But this is why that shift takes place where we say you must love yourself. This is what we are talking about. We are saying literally you have to give it to yourself because can we receive love from others? Of course we can. Of course we can receive love from others. And it's such an important part of life. But can someone else's love fix us? Like it could maybe when we were little? No, it can't, nor should it, because we're not here on a journey of life for someone else to live it for us, right? We're here on a journey of life for us to figure out our pathway. And I know I feel like I'm on a tangent, but I promise that I'm not, because when we start to realize, oh my God, so wait a second. I'm waiting for someone else's love to make my life fulfilled and literally like science, science sciency, it's not even possible. But also I'm trying to love someone else into a place of healing and wellness and being okay again. And that's actually not possible either. When that light bulb goes on, you get to say to yourself, what am I doing in my life then? Where am I? just running into a wall over and over and over again. And this is an important question because we will stay in fully dysfunctional dynamics, relationships, whatever, situations, trying to give that person everything they're saying that they need in order to be an okay person. But the disconnect here, especially in the relationship between a narcissist and an empath, is that a narcissist will be saying exactly what they think they need. You know, if only I had help, if only I had support, if only I had love, if only I had whatever, I would be able to be everything. But I never get these things. I'm never treated right. I'm never seen right. I'm never appreciated. I'm never valued. I'm never whatever. And yet the empath will try to do all of those things for them and it doesn't go anywhere. Now the realization I need to have happen here is for the empath to see why it doesn't go anywhere, which is that it's literally not possible for you to give the sense of being valued to someone else. You can tell them how much you value them. You can show them how much you value them. But if they are not in a state 
that they are willing to change their narrative and be willing to be valued, it will not matter. And a narcissist is someone who, because of their mental health condition, cannot, without an intensive, regular therapeutic intervention, cannot change that narrative on their own. Nor do they want to. And that's the sentence that if this was written down, that I would take out my yellow highlighter and highlight over and over and over again. See, a narcissist is really, really enlivened and enriched by being a victim. And you, the empath, are showing up trying to say, oh, I see what's happening here. You're being a victim. That's a terrible way to live. Let me help you not feel like a victim anymore. And the narcissist has never agreed to that premise. They have never agreed that they don't want to be a victim anymore. And sometimes we're interacting with people from a place of thinking that we're having this really obvious, similar goal, but we have never stopped to formulate what is the community goal here? What are we working towards? I'm really obsessed with defining our terms in my coaching practice because a lot of times we're in a whole ass relationship without having defined what relationship even means to both sides of the equation. A lot of the times we're talking about love or commitment or I don't know, even our jobs and what's expected of us there when no one has defined the terms. What does a relationship mean to you? If you are my boyfriend, if you are my girlfriend, if you are my partner, what does that mean? Here's what it means to me. What does it mean to you? What kind of life do we want to have together? You know, are we laid back? Are we adventurous? Are we exciting? Are we fun? Do we prefer to be out? Do we prefer to be in? And I know I'm saying we a lot, which makes it sound super codependent, which is a whole other problem that we'll talk about on a different episode. But what I'm saying is that the reason I'm using we is because in this hypothetical conversation you're having with your partner defining your terms, you're discussing, well, what's the creature... Of our relationship like, you know, because when two people come together, a third energy gets created and that energy is, and I always call it like the creature called your relationship. You know, it's called the combination of your two names. That's a whole being that exists that has its own energy and essence and flavor about itself. When you're with a narcissist and when you are an empath and you've stumbled upon this trap in the woods that you're just taking a lovely walk and you see this trap decorated with red flags and you're like, I've helped other people with their red flags. Maybe I can help this person. And then you are stuck. You step in the trap. It locks around your ankle and you are now stuck there for quite a while. And this is a very sad and difficult dynamic to be in because the narcissist keeps saying to the empath, if you behave perfectly, I'll let you out of the trap. And the empath says, okay, what is it that you need me to do? And the narcissist says, you should already know the answer to that. I'm not going to tell you. 
And this is just absolute mind fuckery. And I'm sorry, I consciously chose to swear there because that is the perfect word for it. It is just mind fuckery to the greatest degree. This concept of, I will not tell you, you should already know, is one of the quickest to spot red flags in interpersonal relationships that there are. I will not communicate with you. I will instead radiate a mood at you. And I will then tell you that not only is my mood your fault, but it is also your responsibility to deal with. And if you don't deal with it the right way, there will be punishment on the other side. That is a very typical dynamic between a narcissist and an empath. And it's a very difficult one to be in. And the empath says, because an empath is often someone who wants to achieve, they want positive feedback, they might be people-pleasing, because what they're always doing, an unhealed empath specifically, what they're always doing is reading the energy around them and saying, how can I fix this? How can I fix it? And that is not your job. It's just not. Your job as an empath is to be aware of the energy around you in order for you to decide how much of this energy do I feel like interacting with or not. You know, you've been given this gift or have developed this skill as a way to support you in your own navigation through the world. It is a navigation tool, not an obligation tool. Being able to sense the temperature of the room, the energetic temperature of the room at all times is a tool that you have to help you navigate your spaces in your life. It is not there to highlight what you are obligated to do for others. It is telling you instead, oh, look out, there's some bad energy over there. But if you go right, there's some neutral energy. But if you go left, there's some really positive energy just kind of float through the space so that you don't get bogged down. But the way an unhealed or unself-actualized or unself-aware empath understands their gift is by saying, oh my gosh, where's the worst energy around me? Let me go to it. Let me go to it. And that right there you can see is flawed from the start. Because if we are unhealed and not self-aware, we don't know how to protect ourselves or to keep boundaries up or to maintain a hard line between what is me and what is this negativity. And why am I opting into it? And why do I believe that I am the person who is supposed to resolve it? I was speaking to a friend of mine, um, and you can find her. Her website is crystaltheoracle.com. And she said something very profound to me. Um, she said to me, I don't know why I keep thinking that spirit only has me to depend on to achieve these goals. Because I can go ahead and say no, and spirit's going to go ahead and move on to the next person who can handle it for me. And that has stuck with me, right? Because we all get this thing in our heads where we're like, but I'm the only one who can help. We buy into the victim story that we're being sold. We believe it. And as with all things, by the way, usually a narcissist story of being a victim has seeds of truth about it. 
But to what degree? Because we've all had moments where we've been victimized by life. But choosing to stay in a victim mentality is a very different thing than being victimized by a situation or a circumstance. Okay? And so we think to ourselves, oh, there's this person, they're a victim, they need help. And that's their narrative too. So we go to them to help them and we start to become more and more depleted and we start to become more and more drained and we start to become more and more empty inside and we have a slight secret realization or knowing that there's something that we must do for ourselves to protect ourselves. But every time we try, it blows up somehow or we're told we don't care or we've changed or we're different or... We somehow are doing something to the other person just by trying to do something for ourselves. But what Crystal said was right. Spirit doesn't have one person that can help other people. And that one person doesn't have to be you. If you can't absorb the task ahead of you, you can absolutely go ahead and diversify yourself and say, Hey, Spirit. Send this one to someone else because spirit is infinite. And it is our ego that says, I am the only person who can help this individual out of the hole that they are in right now. We want sometimes to be a savior like that because it tells us we're important and our life has meaning and we have value And it tells us that perhaps we haven't, quote, wasted the years of our lives that we've spent trapped in this narcissist trap. So we want the results and we want those results to be somebody feeling healed because of us and because of what we've contributed. And I'll tell you, somebody can be healed because of you and what you've contributed. And that person is you. You can stop choosing To live in a world of distortion, you can stop choosing to enable someone in staying in their victim mentality and you can really fully separate yourself and this is the hardest part and this to me is where the narcissist empath link has some validity so I'm going to explain it for a second. Now, ironically, we sort of think that the narcissist is the one feeding on the empath. And I'm going to call empaths out for a minute. And I'm going to say, hey, empaths, what's the deal with being drawn to really damaged, broken, kind of aggressive, maybe mean people? Because like I said before, a narcissist is just casting their net out to see who they can catch. So if there is this high link between the two of them, which there is, must mean that there's a lot of thirsty little empaths swimming around looking for that bait. And if that sounds a little mean, I get it. It kind of is. But the reason I'm being like that is because I need some self-awareness here. I need empaths to decide they're going to heal. I need empaths to stop saying, I am a healer, and instead to say, I need to heal, and then I can be a healer. 
There are so many people out in this world giving what they would love to receive. And isn't that a beautiful thing? Like as mean as I might be sounding to the empaths, it's actually the opposite. I actually love empaths and I am one, but I love empaths so much that I want us or them to stop this self-destructive behavior. Empaths are out here with so much love in their hearts and having had such a wounded past themselves that all they want is to help other people never feel the way they've felt. But remember, your brain stops allowing other people to influence how you feel at a certain age. And you must, therefore, love yourself first so that you are the person who never again has to feel the way that you felt. The most twisted up part of the narcissist empath dynamic to me is that a narcissist is walking around talking about how terrible their life has been and what a victim they are, when in reality, often the narcissist's life has been way easier or way better than the empath who they're with, who has actually been through the the depths of hell in the struggles of abuse and trauma and pain, but they have a resilience and they have an inner strength and they have a sense about themselves that they will keep going. Whereas the narcissist likely has had several difficult experiences who has lived a life without them, but because of their mentality, these experiences become expanded, they become toxic, they become overwhelming, they become destructive. And the narcissist who has had less trauma in general will focus on the trauma they have had. And the empath who has had more trauma will just shove all of that to the side to caretake to the narcissist. And it is because of the vast amount of trauma the empath has had that they have this endless compassion and love for their counterpart. But isn't that sad? I want the empaths who are listening to understand you cannot heal somebody else. You can offer them a safe space for themselves to do their own healing. But you truly cannot gift them healing. And when you are seeking to heal, to heal, to heal, or to love, or to love, or to love somebody else, it is all of the parts within you that are screaming out, begging for you to heal them and to love them. Whatever we give out the most to others, especially if we keep giving it and it feels ultimately unfulfilling to us, it is because that is what we are needing within ourselves the most at any given moment. We give the love that we want and need the most. And so when I see an empath all tangled up with a narcissist, my heart is sad because that empath is trying so hard to love someone into a place of being okay. And they are not on the same page. An empath is in a relationship for love and connection. A narcissist is in a relationship for control and domination. And I don't mean that in some like, BDSM type of way, which is fine. I don't have any problems with that community. I'm just saying the word domination here, there's a lot of like 
sexual connotations. There's also a lot of magical connotations, actually, because in spirituality, domination means a whole different thing. But what I want to say is they are here in the energy of control and being the person in charge and being the person dictating and commanding what the other person's thoughts, feelings, actions, behaviors are. Like, have you ever noticed that if you're happy around a narcissist, you're not allowed to stay happy for very long? This is because of the scarcity mentality that lives and runs rampant within each narcissist. They believe there is not enough. There's not enough love. There's not enough happiness. There's not enough joy. There's not enough money. There's not enough sex. There's not enough anything. There's not enough affection. And so if they see you being happy, completely independent of them or something they've said or done, they will seek to dismantle that happiness. I don't know if I said happy or unhappy, but what I meant was if they see you being happy, they will seek to dismantle it immediately because there is a fear of it because scarcity runs their world. Whereas an empath secretly knows, like, can't we just be fine? Like, can't we just have a nice day? Can't we just get along? Can't we just be happy? We can. Once we stop allowing our emotions to be determined by somebody else, once we find that inner strength to understand that we are not obligated to resolve someone else's life story for them, we become so captivated by the story that the narcissist is selling us that we don't even realize that we are abandoning our own life story. And this is another point for me to be a little blunt with the empaths. I get that being really embroiled in a mesh in a narcissist's life is very time-consuming. It's a full-time job. But why are you avoiding living your own life? Why are you choosing to avoid your own world? And I say it like that as if it's so easy, right? As if like it's just a choice. It's not. It's not. If you find yourself in this kind of situation, I want you to know how much compassion and empathy and love and sympathy I have for you. Because while it is not your fault that you have been trapped intentionally trapped and that you have been manipulated and that you have been abused verbally, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, perhaps physically. None of that is your fault. None of it. While it is not your fault and just like with all trauma, it is never our fault, but it is always our responsibility. And that is terminally unfair. And I suggest you file a letter with the complaint department, as I have many, many times. I will write my complaints and burn those shits and send them up to spirit. Because I don't like that anyone can assert any amount of trauma on anyone else at any time. And it doesn't. it's not the fault of the person who's been traumatized, but it's their job to fix it. That seems unfair. Complaint department. Ping. But it is one of the truths of this reality. And so I'm offering you these perspective shifts not to blame you or to make you feel completely like terrible about yourself. This isn't your fault. Remember, the narcissist set a trap. 
And they're good trappers. They know what kind of bait to put out. They know what, like, I don't know. I'm starting to get lost in my own example here. I don't know enough about hunting. But they know, like, the sounds to make to call you over. They know what they're doing is what I'm trying to say. They know what they're doing. It's not your fault that you got trapped. But it does become your, your responsibility to get out of that trap. But it is not through the method that the narcissist is telling you. It is not through your performance that you will get out. See, they're saying, if you perform correctly, I'll free you. If you make me happy, if you make me better, if you make my life what I want it to be, you can be free or you can have this happy life with me that I keep promising you. That's really what they're saying. But really, actually, the secret is that you can just get up and walk out of that trap at any moment. See, this is a trap of the mind. This is a hypnosis kind of trap. This is a trap where you actually aren't tethered or restricted. You can start to say, oh my gosh, wait, maybe I could just try to find a way to extract myself. Now, again, because this is an abusive relationship dynamic, it's not always that easy. And I do want you to seek professional support and intervention whenever you're trying to leave an abusive or toxic relationship. And I'm 1,000% serious about that. I want you to find therapeutic intervention. I want you to expand your support network of friends and family, even if you've been isolated from them for years. I don't want you doing anything dangerous alone. But the first realization we have to have is that we have our own free will and that we don't have to try to spend our whole life making someone else feel better. I want to be clear that there is no magic here. This isn't some higher level soul contract that we've made to heal another person. This is an unfortunate dynamic that takes place in this realm of reality between people who have chosen to be unkind and to be victims and to blame the world for their problems and people who are endlessly beautiful who want to try to help and support and to offer love and healing. But the problem is that they are offering the love and the healing to the wrong place. You must first offer love and healing to yourself and from that space, you are able to know and to see who is authentically ready to receive your love and healing because it will advance them on being able to love and heal themselves. And who is not actually looking for that? Who doesn't have the same goal as you? Who isn't having the same higher agenda? A narcissist or an abusive person isn't actually trying to heal. They don't necessarily want to feel better. I just really needed to, to make a statement about this topic today because it is such a dangerous thing to romanticize this situation. It is such a dangerous thing to not find our inner strength. It is such a dangerous thing to keep going deeper and deeper into the story of someone else when all the while our own, the pages of our own story remain unwritten.
breaking these bonds and these chains and these emotional tethers and these energetic connections is really part of our self-work. It's part of us becoming the truest version of ourselves where we decide we will not be anything or anyone that is not in alignment with our highest self. And we will learn how to choose ourselves and we will learn to love ourselves enough to heal. I hope that this has been helpful. I'm sure there will be more words to come on this topic. But if you find yourself in an abusive dynamic, please seek support. You may call hotlines. You may reach out to friends. You may reach out to therapists. You may go to a shelter. You can get away from the situation. And the first step is for you to begin to see that you have worth and value and to know that it is worth your time and energy to choose yourself. If you have any questions or suggestions for further podcast episodes, you can always reach out to me. If you need to decompress about this episode in specific or need guidance on how to find resources for support, you can always reach out to me too. I send you lots of love and many blessings today and always. I will talk to you soon.